We're going to turn to the Word of God again this morning. And if you'll turn to Psalm 56 again. We were there last week. And it's Dealing with Fear, Part 2 this morning. Dealing with Fear, Part 2. I want to thank the, the quite a number of people who messaged me, um, sent emails in, and those who texted me or told me that they were helped by last week's message, that someone they knew or their loved one was helped. But all of those, it was encouraging to know that. And please know whatever we bring in this is not a condemnation to anyone, but rather it's to try and help people in the Lord. And so we just want to thank you for sending those in. So I take it you're looking at Psalm 56 now. And instead of reading a whole lot of the chapter, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, read just a verse or two or three, and then we're going to uh, look down the chapter and pick parts out and show you the things we spoke about last week as well. Psalm 56, verse 1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He, fighting daily, oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Keep your Bible open there, but let us pray. Father, will you take your word this morning? Will you take your word and give it wings this morning to fly to the breast, to the heart, and to the minds of many? Lord, to encourage, to instruct, maybe even convict, Lord. But for the glory of your Son, Father, may this all be done. Help men and women, Lord, with their fears and worries and anxieties or their stresses, Lord. And we pray, O God, that your word, Lord, would live in them. And would they be hearers and doers of it, that they may do better in the Lord and even better in life too. So, Father, glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that is done this morning. For his name's sake we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, last week, we're not going to do a big recap. I just want to point out where we were and what we did last week. We had four facts about fear, four facts about fear. One, fear lives in the future. We're worried about what might happen, and it might never happen. Fear, secondly, is an emotion. Um, It attacks or it, it depends on our rationale to what is happening, what might happen, or what's around us. And thirdly, fear is about loss. And maybe we're worried or afraid of loss. Life, job, car, house, um, money, expenses, so on. Uh, And we could go on and on with the list. We looked at some of these last week. And fourthly, fear is present when there is a conflict between what you want and what might happen. Between what you want and what might happen. And so we try and have that control over things and when we can't control it and it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen or if it it didn't happen the way we thought it should happen then fear is well what if it doesn't and it builds up in our minds we also looked last week that how fear is one of the worst attention seekers of the mind of the person and how fear Uh, demands most of your mind and your resources and robs you of your joy, your blessing, and your day every day. High fear um, takes away your focus of other things that are joyful and yet puts it on itself. Fear. 
We also looked at how fear does not change a situation. We'll look at this this morning. How fear does not change a situation no matter how much you will it to be changed unless the change is first within you. Unless it's first within you. And we looked at how there's two great motivators in the human race and one is fear and love. Fear and love. We looked at how fear can affect us all physically, psychologically, and spiritually. Physically, psychologically, and spiritually. And then we looked at how do we respond to fear. That's what we looked at last week. And now let's look at Psalm 56. And the opening titles again, we mentioned it last week. I want to tell you the background of this psalm again before we go further and break down some of it and show you about fear, dealing with fear. Psalm 56, and the opening title says, To the chief musician upon Jonah, Elam, Rachel, Kim, Mitch, Tam of David. Notice when the Philistines took him in Gath. The, the enemy took him. The enemy took him. And the thing about this is the enemy would not have taken him, that's the Philistines in Gath, if he had not have ran into their hands. And he ran into their hands through fear. He ran into their hands through fear. Jonath Elam Richokim means uh, to the dumb dove, the dumb dove who is among strangers, the Philistines, or the dumb dove who's went to a foreign land, a foreign country. And so he's, he's likening himself as the dove, that gentle, gentle dove. The gentle dove is the, the bird that's easily frightened. The bird, actually the Holy Spirit is likened unto a dove after the Lord Jesus and his baptism. The Spirit descended in the form, bodily form, of a dove and lighted upon him. And so, uh, you know, there's times when the Holy Spirit is God and he's almighty. But yet that walk with the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our breasts, we can, we can easily, so easily, uh, through our own ways, through our own mannerisms, through our own uh, our own doings, we, we can cause the dove as it were. Now, he never leaves us nor forsakes us, but we can cause that, uh, that consciousness of his presence to leave us, the peace that he brings to leave us. And notice this. Here we have David is calling himself a dumb dove. It's a Mitch Tam of David, and it gives the idea of a song or a poem or an engraving, just like you would get a trophy or a medal and you take it to a jeweler's and they get out the, 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 the pen to engrave, and they carve into that metal, and it leaves the, the engraving of the title of the, the person, the name, and the event, and so on. And it can't be rubbed out, and it can't be washed away. It's engraved. I'm talking to someone, too, maybe this morning, and there's been such a hard time you've come through your life, such a time where it's been... It's been difficult. It's been maybe horrific at times. And you've come through a hard life, never mind a hard time. And there's been a, a, there's a, an engraving, a mark that's left on you. You know, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a loved one engraves the heart. It engraves the heart that that, that never goes away, but it's not an open wound. It is at the time. It's hurtful. What has happened in your past may be hurtful. And what is happening at the present, something has hurt you. And what you'll find is, is that that open wound, if we leave it an open wound, can fester. 
And if it's not as it were bound up and mollified with ointment, as the Lord says to Israel in Isaiah chapter 1, and he says, you're, you're full of wounds, bruises, and putrefying sores. And, and our souls can feel, our spirit can feel like that. Our heart can feel like that because of things that's happened in our lives. But it's up to us to allow the, the healing balm of Gilead, the healing balm of the Spirit to move in our lives. And sometimes it's so hard, it's so difficult to forgive and to forget even and to put things aside and lay them down and rest in him. And sometimes we find that it's hard and there's, there's a festering happens and a bitterness comes and we must be careful that that does not happen. We must be careful it does not happen because then that's where infection comes from. And it will infect your whole walk with Christ. It will infect your life. It will infect your marriage. It will infect your family. It will infect your, your, your church life. Uh, uh, that is when we come to worship together. And so uh, whenever we think of these things, if there's been things that has really deeply hurt, harmed, and marred you, it's so difficult. And I know I've had to forgive myself, and I'm sure many have had to forgive me too, but nevertheless, it's something we have to do, even to forgive for our sakes if they haven't repented. Uh, the, the, that lies with them then. But forgiving for our own sake sometimes, that the healing for us can, ha- can help. That it can start. And so sometimes it's the fear of the past, the present, what's happened. And what happens is sometimes it leaves an engraving in the heart and in the mind and the spirit. And that engraving, don't let it be like a scar. Or pardon me, like a wound. Let it be like a scar. Whenever we look back at scars, and I have, I have a scar on, believe it or not, the bottom of my foot where I split myself open one time. And I remember how it happened, where it happened, when it happened. I remember it all. I remember the healing of it as well. And the same time when I look at it, it brings back the memory and that I would do things different. And so the thing about this is, is sometimes with that scar, uh, that thing that needs healed in our life, we find that if it needs healed in our life, then we need to allow the Lord to do the healing And if the scar's there, remember, the scar tells you that you're healed. The scar tells you you've been through things. The scar tells you not only that you have been through things and that you're healed, but it gives you a remembrance and you've come through learning things from it. We learn things from situations and we learn things from people and we learn things from happenings that will never be allowed to happen again in our lives. Why? Because God has allowed us to learn in it, to learn from it. And you're still going on. You're still here. You're still alive. You're still faithful. You know, you might be weak, but you're still going on. And that's the thing about it. So don't let the fear of it grip you, but rather let the scar remind you. The engraving of the heart was on David. And Mitch Tom of David, he writes a song about it. And that's Psalm 56, when the Philistines took him in Gath, when the enemies, these men took him, And you know, sometimes the enemy comes against us, whether it's the enemy through people or whether it's the enemy spiritually to our heart and mind. Sometimes the enemy comes and, oh, we have went through horrific times, terrible times, trying times, and we've maybe felt that we've been used and abused and worthless and cast aside and denigrated. And no, you know, there's people and there's people who come along and they're like Job's so-called comforters. They make us feel even worse rather than better. But all the time, it's God who is faithful. What you have come through, what you, the scars that you have of life, of memory, has been for the furtherance that you will know 
that you will be experienced, that you have been an overcomer, and that what will happen is you will be able to take that. And when those things happen again, you don't need to fear it because you have experience of it. And since you don't need to fear it, you have experience of it, you can deal with it. You deal with it greater and a better and more confident and able way because you'll know your God who was with you when none of others weren't. When everyone else had left you, he stood by you. And you'll know it was the Lord when you were weak. He lifted you up. When you were down, he blessed you. He carried you through. And now you're here and you're standing strong. They say, well, I'm not too strong. I'm still in fear. Well, that's why we're doing this this morning. Maybe the engraving of God is being brought to your remembrance this morning. And you can say, thank you, Lord, you blessed me. Thank you, Lord, you took me. Thank you, Lord, you saved me. Thank you, Lord, you've came and you've carried me. Thank you, Lord, you've strengthened me. Thank you, Lord, for the experience that you've allowed me to go through that I may be better and greater to walk with you and to be able to help others as they come along behind. So the engraving of David of Psalm 56 is this. His heart, his mind was marred, uh, as it were. It was scarred, rather. And it was scarred, and he writes about his scarring in Psalm 56. So when you read this, this is what it's all about. So, for example, when the Philistines took him in Gath. Will you turn with me to 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel, please. I'm just going to read a little bit here. And this is what happened. And watch how fear, remember I said there are two great motivators in life. Two great motivators in life. There's love and fear. There's men who do anything for love. That is, they'd fight to the death for their country. There's men that would do any, women that would do anything for love. They would fight to the death some women for their, for their family, for their children especially. Love is a great motivator. And, you know, there's men and women, and they remain faithful one to another, not because of fear, but because they love one another. And the same thing is, is, is with fear. It drives us. Only fear drives us to do things we wouldn't normally do. Fear drives us to act in ways we would never normally act, to think in ways we would never usually think. And so fear drives us, and that's what it did to David before we get into Psalm 56. For Samuel chapter 21 and verse 10. Now Saul was going to kill David. And notice what it says in 1 Samuel 21 verse 10. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. And went to Achish of Gath. Achish was the king of Gath. The Philistine king. And the servants of Achish said unto him. Is not this David the king of the land? Did not... Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now notice here, David is afraid of Saul. He's afraid of Saul. That is the king that was in Israel, man's choice. But nevertheless, he was afraid of Saul. David is playing with his heart. And an evil spirit is taken up from David. Or pardon me, from Saul as David is playing. And David's hands are employed in praising the Lord. David's hands are employed in the service of God. And it says Saul took a javelin in his hand and tried to pin David to the wall with the javelin, tried to thrust him through. David knew his life was in danger. And of course, he fled from Saul. 
And notice this. There are people who have a javelin in their hand. Look, it may be, it's not a literal javelin, but it's a javelin to do hurt. There's just people who are like that. There's people who are either jealous of, of, what you, of who you are in Christ and people who hate who you are in Christ and, and what you stand for in Christ. And, and there's people who would love to take that javelin wherever they can see it, find it and use it and pin you as it were through to the wall and kill you. That there's no use. Now, I don't mean even literally killing you. I'm talking about make you feel in fear and worry down depressed and that you feel so useless, despised and discarded that you feel like you're nothing. Now listen, David was God's anointed. David was God's chosen. And David was God's elect. David was God's man. David was the one who God had drawn. David was the one with the promise, not Saul. So whatever God has given you, whatever God has said to you, Whenever God's covenant is over you, then I want you to know you can believe it because God has said it. No matter what the javelin is, no matter who the soul is, no matter who comes your way, what comes your way or walks along your path, no matter the enemy that comes against you, you can do this. You can overcome this. You can get through this. Don't run away in fear, but rather stand in the power and the strength of the Lord. What a difference between David there and David and Goliath. So David comes, uh, Goliath comes against David, and David says, Thou comest against me with your sword and your spear and your shield. Hey, this great giant. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. How about having that brother, sister? How about having that, realizing I have the spirit and the word? I have the almighty God on my side. I don't need to be afraid what man can do unto me. I don't need to worry about the enemy's hands or his grip. I don't need to be concerned about what lies in the future because he, my God, is in my future. And I don't need to worry about the past because he, my God, has washed me and cleansed me from my past and I'm a new creation or a new creature in Christ. And all things have passed away. All things have become new. I don't need to worry about today, for he says that he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So since he is my God, the God of the armies of Israel is my God. And so I will not fear. I won't fear what man can do unto me. I won't fear what the devil can do unto me. I will not fear. David must have forgotten these things. You see, fear can overcome your faith. If you allow it, fear can overcome your faith. Remember, our faith is seeing the invisible as though we see it. Knowing the, the unknowable as though we know it. And so, uh, whenever we think of, of, of faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we have to believe, even though we can't see it, even though the situation looks bad, maybe it looks like it's getting worse. We don't know what the future is going to be, what's going to happen in the future, fear, trembling, and then depression comes in. So what we need to do, what I need to do, what you need to do is this. We need to realize that our God is already in our future. We're just catching up. And when you get till tomorrow, he's already there waiting for you. And when you get to the day after, he's already there too. God is always ahead of you. And remember, your God is never taken by surprise. He's never taken by surprise. He's the all-knowing. 
God, the omniscient God, the all-knowing Father. And that's who your Father is, and He loves you. He loves you. Why do you fear? What are you worried about? Why are you concerned for the future? Do I get concerned? Yes, I do. But then I bring it into captivity, and I bring it under bondage, and set myself in the liberty and the freedom wherewith Christ has made me free. So it's understanding that we belong to him. David had slain Goliath, a lion and a bear, and yet he stands with Saul. Saul tries to spear him, javelin him onto the wall. And David, we're told in 1 Samuel chapter 10, arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. And where did David go to? He went to a church of Gath. He went right into the enemy's camp. Not to declare the greatness of God. He didn't go into the enemy's camp to declare that God is on my side. He didn't go into the enemy's camp to say, I'm here to overcome and to take control. I'm here to take authority over these Philistines. Not in the slightest. He ran in fear. And he ran right into the enemy's hands. You see, fear will make you do things you thought you'd never do. And fear will make you run sometimes right into the enemy's hands. Fear will make you run right into the enemy's hands as if, you know, you, you have nowhere else to go. Don't let fear drive you. Don't let fear drive you, but rather let the Holy Ghost lead you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Don't let fear drive you, for fear will drive you where you never thought you'd go. Fear will make you do things you thought you'd never do. How do we know? Even from this portion of Scripture we'll get to. David is now in the hands of the enemy, the Philistines in Gath. They, he's brought to a church, the king. Look what it says in verse 11. Verse 11. Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands? There's Saul's problem, you see. Saul has slain his thousands. Saul comes in with his chest puffed up, See how great and wonderful I am. What a servant of the God of Israel I am. And he's slain his thousands. But see when David comes behind him. David, his tens of thousands. Saul was raging. Saul was raging. Listen, sometimes the anointing that God is using in you. Sometimes the anointing that God has given you. Sometimes the, the blessing that's on your life. And the way God is using you and about to use you. The devil hates it. The enemy wants you to be in his hands and wants you to come out of God's. People and the enemy through people even. People, even church people, they can, they can be jealous over what God is doing in your life. Be jealous over what God's doing in your life. I know it's not right, but it's truth. And it's what happens. Listen, sometimes it's your anointing just raises the demons out of other people. And you'll see here what happened was they started to sing and oh, Saul was angry. And so that's why he tried to slay David. But here's the thing. These people are singing this. Now he's ran from on, afraid for fear of Saul. He's ran right into the enemy's hands, right into the king's palace now. And here they're saying, is this him? Is this the one they're singing about? Notice his testimony was going. His testimony was being marred. 
And listen, it's hard to build a testimony up because t- testimonies take time. People look, at, look for the testimony and testimonies take time. Testimonies take time for you to build. And listen, they're so easy to lose. One thing can cost a testimony. But the thing is, one step back to God, it reconciles you again. You may have to work at your testimony, but it reconciles you again. Verse 12. Notice what it says. And David led up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of a church. Now notice how David went from bad to worse. Here's the way fear leads you. He ran for fear of Saul. He runs into the hands of the enemy. And they take him to the king of the enemy. And there he finds he's sore afraid. Afraid. Sore afraid. Afraid. And now he's sore afraid. In other words, his fear was worse. Why? Because he didn't wait where he was on the promise of the anointing of God. He didn't wait on God's timing. Listen, God is never early and God is never too late. He's always on time. And David should have waited because what happens years down the line? David becomes the king that he was anointed for from he was a boy. It's in God's timing. And your fear can cause you to run further away. Your fear can bring more fear, greater fear, deeper fear. Stop where you are right now. Stop your fearing right now. Stop the way you're thinking right now. And take it captive. Take it and say, I will not fear anymore, for I'm going to trust in the word of the Lord. I'm going to trust in my God. And you'll find your God is on your side. And your God will bring to pass that which he said. Now notice what happened here. Verse 13. I think this is terrible. And he changed. That is David. He changed his behavior before them. And feigned himself mad in their hands. Scrabbled on the doors of the gate. And let his spittle run down his beard. Notice is this the king? You know you're a king and priest on the God child of God. Do you know that? Do you know that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings? Do you not know that you are His, uniquely His? Do you not know that people watch, the unsaved, the worldly, the ungodly watch to see the devil watches? And sometimes when we're in fear, they say, well, where's their faith? Oh, I can't help myself. Listen, you may not be able to help yourself, but we're showing you one who does help you, and that's your God. He, he, he started, as it were, get down, and he started scraping the doorpost with his nails. Before the enemy, spittle running down his beard, eh? spitting on himself, running down his beard, feigned himself or pretended that he was mad. He sent him, he sent I'm mad. I'm going to show them I'm mad and they'll let me go. You know why? Because he realized that what he was afraid of wasn't as bad as the sore afraid now of Chish. Wasn't as bad as what it was. If he could get back to the place before he ran, then he'd find God would start working in him there. I think it's tremendous that sometimes people go, oh, this has just got worse. My fear has got worse. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for you to turn this round. It's not too late for you to stop the enemy in his tracks. 
If you're a child of God, what I mean is if you're a blood-washed, blood-bought child of God, if you're a spirit-filled child of God, if you belong to Christ, if you're his, if you're saved, if you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then you can say thus far and no further to the enemy and make your way back. I'm not going to fear what the devil will do unto me. And then Achish says, verse 14, Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Imagine the devil. Imagine the devil even saying, This man, I don't need to worry about him or her anymore. Sure, look where I've got them to. They'll destroy themselves. They've destroyed themselves. You're not destroyed. You're not destroyed. David wasn't destroyed. David went wrong and he went from afraid to sore afraid. No, you're in the right place wherever you are right now, whether you're listening here, live, Facebook and YouTube, or whether you're listening later, watching. You're not destroyed. God has brought you to hear that he loves you. You have nothing to fear. To let your fears be turned around and cast them from you in faith. And walk in the glory where Christ has set you free. Walk in the word of God. Notice verse 15. Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And in chapter 22 verse 1, what happens? David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. You know the thing was, he took a decision. David could have said, well, they're not going to touch me. He's not going to touch me. I'm going to escape to the cave of Adullam. David could have said, they've let me go. Or pardon me, I'm not going to escape. I'm going to sit here and sure, I'll, I'll just play the fool for a while. But instead he escaped to the cave of Adullam. Adullam became a good place for David. For there people came to help. People came to stand by him who were not in allegiance with Saul. And here's the thing, Saul hunted him down. His troubles weren't over, but he had learned that God was on his side. And he had learned that God was with him. And he learned that even though David, with 20,000 chosen men of Israel, couldn't find him in the mountains and in the caves, God had hidden him. And he knew then, God is on my side. And even when he was in the cave, others were gathering to him. What did he see? He's seen the blessing of the Lord, that the promise of God still stood and that God was still working. And you see, that's where you need to be. Stop right now. Maybe you've got this sore afraid and Chish, the king of God. Stop right now and say, what am I afraid of in the future? Why have I worried about the past? Why, why am I worried about the past happening in my future? Why am I worried about my circumstance and my situation and all the things that are going on around me? Why would I even worry? You know, sometimes when we're through it, we think, well, why did we worry in the first place? I want to take you for a moment just to uh, Exodus chapter 3, please. Exodus chapter 3. And, you know, we all know this story very, very well, but it's just something I want to point out to you. Exodus 3. And Moses is at the backside of the desert, sees the burning bush. We all, I'm sure we all know the story of that. And he turns aside to see it. And the Lord says he's going to send Moses unto Pharaoh and to the children of Israel that Israel were going to be free from the Egyptian bondage. 
Notice Egyptian bondage. Verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who, who am I? <laughs> I'm nothing. Do you know something, brothers and sisters? We can all say that. I'm, I, 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 I can't do this job. I'm, I'm put fear in this. Who am I? Well, who am I that I'm bringing you the word this morning? If you knew who I was, who am I? Who am I that the Lord has uh, given me this task to do to pastor a flock? Who am I that the Lord would use what we're saying to reach people? Who am I that the Lord would allow me to read his word? That the Lord would even give me uh, the, the blessing of being able and the privilege of being in his presence. Who am I to read this, to preach this? We can all say that. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh that the, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly. Notice, here's what matters. The Lord said, He said, Certainly I will be with thee. That's all we need to know. That's all you need to know, friend. That's all you need to know, child of God. And if you're not saved and you happen to come across this and, and it's maybe helping you, here's what it is. is if, if, you can, if you can hear this, that it's Christ that matters. It's knowing him that matters. And you can say then he's with me. If you, if you come to him and, and be saved, give your life to him. You see, I tried to help a person oh, a while back. And I was meeting them and speaking with them and took them for uh, coffee and, well, tea. And we had many a chat together and there was fears, all oh, the anxieties, and the addictions and, and all manner of things had gotten to them. And I took them for lunch and I called to their home. And, and no matter how much, and I felt myself, I, I was... I was feeling I can do no more because every time I spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ, they didn't want to know. Until one day I said, listen, you're looking at me and you're saying I'm helping you as I'm speaking and you're feeling better. I'm not here to make you feel better. I'm here to show you the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to see him. And this, this person said to me, I don't want to know that stuff. And I got to the point where I said, I can only try and encourage you and help you so much. But all I know that helped me from what I came through in the past, that I go through in the present, all I know is this, that I have to tell you, it's all I can give you is the Lord Jesus. And if I can't present Christ to you, if I can't present his salvation redemption is forgiveness and if I can't present his, his spirit and blessing to you in the word of God then I have nothing else to give you and I can't change you and he rejected I recently heard not so long ago and I give God the glory that he got saved and notice here it's not who am I it's when God says certainly I will be with thee certainly that's assurance, isn't it? What about tomorrow? What are we going to do with this lockdown and this lock up? And you know, what are we going to do? What about all this stuff and watching on 
YouTube and what about all this stuff I'm seeing on Facebook and what about all this negativity and what about all this stuff we're hearing about and about the governments and the world, new world orders and what about this that's causing me anxious, worry and fretting and fear. Brothers and sisters, especially you, but I can tell you, I think nothing of it. I'm on the winning team. So are you. We're on the victory side. I think nothing of their plans and their ideas because Christ is coming and I belong to him. And you might say, what about this with the, the, the economy and the jobs and I'm going to lose everything? Listen, Job lost everything and the Lord blessed him double at the end when, when he prayed for his friends, when he started to not worry, when he started to not be concerned, when he started to say, I believe my God. God blessed him twice as much. And so that's what you have to do. Say, no matter what happens, Lord, though he would slay me, yet will I trust in him. Notice here, certainly, the Lord says, I will be with thee. That's what he's told us. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and they shall say, un- and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. You know what Moses is saying? He's already thinking of the future here. God has said, here's a token. You trust me, you're going to go into Egypt. You're going to stand before Pharaoh. You're going to talk to the children of Israel. Listen, there's going to be 10 plagues in all of this time. But you're going to come back to this mountain. He couldn't have failed. He couldn't have even died. And if if something had happened, God would have raised him from the dead. Listen, he had to come back to the mountain. Why? Because in his future, God was already there to meet him. And he was going into Pharaoh, into Egypt, into the children of Israel, speaking to them. And then this is what he says. What am I going to do when they ask me? Well, what's his name and how do we know he sent you? He's starting to multiply his fears his worries and his anxieties about something that's in the future. We always have that fight in our head. If he says, then I'll say, and if she says, then I'll do this. And, and they have, we have that fight about the future. What if, what if, what if? Well, what if not? What if, and you've God saying, certainly I'll be with you. That's enough. And what if not, God's still with you. It's a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation. And God says, I will bring you back to this mountain. God says, I'll bring you through it until you come back to my presence. God brought David through this into the cave of Adullam and right into the palace again. I think it's tremendous. It's tremendous. Psalm 56 is about David's journey here and it's a Mitch Tom, it's an engraving in his heart. It's an engraving in his heart. Can't be washed away. Can't be taken away. It's already happened. Terrible time. So David starts to write about it. But in his writing, we see his, his hurt. We see his heart. 
And then we see his help. We see God in it. Notice, I mentioned it last week, and we'll start here next week. Unfortunately, I went off topic, or off, off, off uh, what I had here, and I thought I just wanted to be led by the Spirit there. So we'll maybe do God willing one next week. Notice here, there's contemplating fear. What time I am afraid of thee. There's challenging fear. That's verse three, contemplating fear. There's verse four, there's challenging fear. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Challenging fear. You need to challenge it. And then there's conquering fear in verse 11. In God, have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. And then in verse 13, we have confidence because there's no fear. In other words, fear is gone. Or if you want, there's courage from fear. In verse 11, in God, pardon me, in verse 13, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Notice this, thou hast delivered my soul from death. Thou wilt, not, wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? So here's what I say in closing this and in God willing doing another part next week. So David is writing this psalm. It's engraved his heart and he's singing, I was like the dumb dove in the hands of the Philistines. I was weak. I've no defense system like a wee dove, a little dove. No defense system. I was in their hands completely. But notice he says in verse 13, he says, Thou hast delivered my soul from death. God delivered me. Now, what we'll look at, God willing, next week it's Psalm 56 and those points that I spoke of. And then we look at him. He writes it then again after how he feels after this has happened. Where's that? Believe it or not, it's not Psalm 57, 8 or whatever and going on up. Actually, he's reversing back. They're not all in chronological order. That is in time. And that will be in verse, pardon me, Psalm 34. Let me just read. Listen to David's heart. Let me just read it. Psalm 34, a psalm of David. Notice when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. Who drove him away and he departed. This is the same. This is a title. It's like Pharaoh or a king or a, a, a Caesar. Abimelech is a title. Who drove him away and he departed. That's from First Samuel uh, chapter 20 that we read. Um, earlier on and so sorry 1 Samuel chapter 21 that we read earlier on listen to what he says listen to his heart I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make her boast in the Lord the humble shall hear thereof and be glad oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears different man now isn't he He's a different man now. And that's him after all that has happened. There's an engraving in his heart. But listen, he's learned from it. It's not an open wound. It's not an open wound. And George Swinnock, the old Puritan, said, A man like a silver bell, the harder he is smitten, the better he sounds. A man like a silver bell, 
the harder he is smitten, the better he sounds. Trust in the Lord. Sister, trust in the Lord. And friend, if you're not saved, put your trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, take your word and help your people. Draw near to them, Lord, that need you in a special way. Think of those, Lord, who are sick at this time in body, ill, weak. We ask you, God, that you would touch them where they are right now, Father, and that you would heal them and strengthen them. Lord, we pray that you would, as it were, move upon each and every person in the power of your spirit and chase the enemy. Help them, Lord, I pray, to take their stand in the faith and to go on in God. I will not fear. Lord, help them to say it. Help them to believe it. Help them to trust it and to walk in it. Until, Lord, we, uh, Lord, come under the sound of your word again. Will you bless your people? For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. Amen, everyone.